0: How are you doing Miran?
1: i'm good i'm good i'm hanging in there how are you doing
0: i'm okay i'm <laughs> i'm you know it's been a kind of a crazy couple of weeks on my beat but you know the way i've kind of i've kind of you know started looking at it like the dame stuff's out of my control whatever happens what that happens i'm trying to dive more into scoot and get to know scoot which is why i wanted to bring you on because you wrote a great profile of him back in december for the ringer which we're gonna obviously link to in the show notes and stuff but when did he first come onto your radar but did you did you know about him before that big you know game in las vegas against Wembenyama, or was that kind of when you first you know realized like this might be a story that's worth doing like the other top prospect besides ramby
1: you know somebody on twitter randomly tagged me and said you should profile this guy like he seems really really you know um just levels ahead of other people in terms of like mentality and this person was like you know, he seems like somebody you would like to profile, you know, somebody who has that sort of humble spirit, that Uh human interest type of feature that you do. Um, And then it became clear, I was like, you know, so much attention is going to Wemby. And like, yes, I tried to get that profile as well. And I was like, you know what, Scoot's interesting, like, just for his name alone, like, I want to pursue this story.
0: Hmm. (laughs) That's actually probably a smart move on your part, because, you know, Every, you're, you're gonna, even if, even if you had gotten the Wemby, you know, if, if they had said, yeah, you can get an interview with Wemby, everybody else that was at that Las Vegas game or whatever is getting a, is trying to do a Wemby story. And so even if yours is gonna be great, which yours is because everything that you write is great, but you were yours wouldn't have been the only one like everybody like I remember like around the time of that game everybody was doing a Wemby story and yours was like one of the only ones about Scoot where it was like hey this other kid like may not actually be the number one pick because Wemby's going to be the number one pick but like this guy might be just as you know good or impactful or you know as much of a you know a, a, of a story so you kind of you kind of you kind of actually were able to corner the market there it was actually pretty smart
1: well I appreciate that I mean it's it's interesting it was like unintentional the way that I've tended to profile younger players before they, you know, have their moment in the NBA, but I just find it so interesting. I think the most interesting time to profile somebody is like either right at the beginning or right at the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starting with LaMelo ball like that really taught me a lesson of just, there's so many themes that, you know, are interesting before somebody gets their name called at the draft. So I, I really do enjoy it.
0: Well, the LaMelo thing, that's actually kind of an interesting parallel to this Scoot story because they're both guys and obviously like LaMelo has his whole, that was a whole other thing where like his dad took him and his brother to Lithuania. And like that, you know, was was a a whole thing. And he was like trying to start his clothing brand or, you know, all all that stuff. But yeah they both, you know, whether it was, you know, LaMelo going to Lithuania and then playing in Australia where you also went to profile him a second time or Scoot, you know, working around the clock to graduate high school in three years so he could sign a two-year deal with the G League Ignite. Both of them kind of took these unconventional routes and weren't just, you know, I'm going to go to college for a year and then, you know, go to the NBA. And they both kind of, you know, took these sort of different routes, which, you know, it's been very hit and miss whether that kind of stuff works or not. I mean, it's worked out pretty well for Lamelo because, you know, he's had a pretty good NBA career so far. And, it seems like Scoot is completely set up for, you know, everything Everything is there and everything is in place for him to also be really successful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the Lamello thing was interesting because at the time people thought it was this crazy idea. Um, but then you started to see more and more alternate routes. And, you know, I am of the person that believes like when something is different and something is unique, you should gravitate towards it instead of feeling, you know, uncomfortable and questioning whether it will work clearly, like these things are here to stay. So um, it gave me such an education on, you know, hey, I think alternative paths are more of the norm. And I think that, honestly, to your first question is really what made me interested in Scoot, because at that time, you know, people forget about that entire narrative. It was so unique for him to leave high school and do this like that. The alternative path was his quote, storyline, you know, now the storyline is like, oh, second to, you know, Wemby and all this stuff. And will he work with Dame? But really, the original thing was like, does this guy really think that he can do this? You know, he got an offer from China at age 15. What's going on? Like, is he really that good? Um, But I think, you know, he, people also forget that he made this choice prior to NIL legislation. So he was very much ahead of his time. You know, those options were not on the table um, when he was making that decision. It happened like literally right after, like I would say like a month later or so.
0: So you, you think he might have, like, if, if the NIL stuff had been what it is now when he was in high school, you think he might have, like, decided to just go to college instead?
1: I don't know if I would take the leap and say he would have done that. But I think, and and the reason why I say that is because he had sisters that did play in college, and they taught him how, you know, you really don't have a lot of autonomy when you're playing Division One ball. Your life is really you know just what they tell you to do and you're more of a body than a human being so i think even if they had nil he still had that sort of education in the back of his mind um Mm -hmm. but certainly i think it could have added to the conversation i mean that absolutely is a factor and you know any prospect has to consider that
0: yeah i mean his his sisters are very 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 important to him and Mm -hmm. very you know a big influence on him i remember Uh, this was maybe like a month ago or a little less at this point when the Blazers were going through their pre-draft workout process and they brought him in for a solo workout and they invited us out to the practice facility uh, to, and we got to, you know, do little, you know, interviews with all the different prospects that they brought in. And so for Scoot's interview, he was talking about one of his sisters. uh, It was like, she's the goat. She's the, she's the (laughs) Marietta goat. Like, like he was just, he's quick to bring up his sisters and bring up his family as like, This is who was influential on me. This is who, you know, you know, pushed me. This is who helped me. And a lot of that is covered in the story that you wrote on The Ringer, just of just like how much, you know, his, you know, growing up watching his sisters play basketball was, you know, something that made him want to pursue it. And how, you know, his dad would like light into him when he made a mistake on the court when he was in like sixth grade, but then also like went out of his way to make sure that he knew that like he loved him and supported him. So it's a pretty interesting family dynamic there
1: yeah and i think the family dynamic to me helps explain why he is so poised as a young person why he's able to you know hold his ground why he just with older people why he just seems older than he is and has that maturity it's because his sisters were like so much older than him the age gap is real they were so much better than him i mean they would just like back him down in the post and he was so like frail (laughs) (laughs) he didn't know what to do and um you know i think like when you are just when you have a big family like that and there's always a sibling to play with that you don't you don't feel entitled you don't feel special because there's just so many of you and i think he really um he learned humility from going against them and his dad was really really hard on him and i think he had that kind of like pro coaching or whatever from a young age and so that's why he always played up that's why physically he looks so nba ready um, and he did as a young person, just because he started so much earlier than a lot of kids.
0: It's really incredible seeing him up close. Cause he's, he's only six two. So he's not that big for a point guard, but you know, we stood right next to him when he came into Portland for his workout. He is built.
1: You know what he's I'm saying? A, that's he, what I mean. yeah, he's
0: built like a linebacker, but yeah, he's, he's a point guard.
1: Develop. Yeah, exactly. Like I, and I want to, that's what I was referring to is like, yeah. he, he looks like he has that,
0: <laughs> and it's interesting because you know as you you know detail also in the story the, originally the sport that he wanted to play was football and I, I, I saw another because I've been reading and watching all kinds of Scoot stuff since they drafted him to try to kind of get a feel for his personality and his game and stuff and there was another interview that he did I forget which one it was but he did an, another a podcast that he was on like a couple months ago where he was talking about how originally he thought he was going to go play football at the University of Oregon and then play for the 49ers and then you know as you kind of point out in the story too like Ninth grade or like high school was when he kind of decided like, okay, football is maybe not the sport I want to focus on. Basketball is the one that I really love and that I want to take seriously. Do you have any insight into when and how and why he decided that basketball was the thing to do? Because a funny thing in your in the story was in I, I think it was like fifth grade or something when he was first starting to play basketball and you said he hated it like when did he first go, when did he first grow to love it and then how did that then go from if you know this like i mean i'm sure i'll ask him this when i started actually talking to him and getting to know him but i was wondering if you were able to can i kind of glean when that transition was from like oh i hate this i don't like this too oh i actually love this and i want to devote my whole life to this
1: Yes, and I would also add just that tennis was in the mix too. Yeah, you have
0: that in the story.
1: Yeah, and so I was like, whoa, you know – I love the fact that he hated basketball at first. And um, it's so funny because you contrast that with football. He would be in his like football uniform ready at like 6am and he would just be waiting on the stairs and doing his like, you know, cheers. Like he was so amped up even Uh before he had his cereal. So to get a sense of just like where basketball was on the hierarchy early on. Um, But I think it was those games against his sisters. I think he's so competitive that he didn't like losing to them. And I, I think that that encouraged him to keep coming back. And the more he got better and he could hold his own and do better, I think he started to love it more. Um, and I think his dad could see the potential that he had. And I think Scoot, instead of being discouraged by getting yelled at, I think it just made him fall in love with it further. So I think like Maybe like mid to late middle school is when basketball became like the focus and the thing that he could see himself doing. Um, And to be honest, I think it was also that offer from China, which was like the first pro opportunity that came at like 15. And I think that solidified in his mind, like, oh, there's a future for me in this sport. Like I could really take this somewhere.
0: So the China offer was it wasn't one of those like, you know, high school kids When they're like a freshman or a sophomore, if they're really good, we'll get an offer from a college that's, hey, when you graduate, you know, that you commit to this. It was, you're 15, we want you to come play in China right now.
1: Yeah, it was a Chinese team. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, yeah, of course, like, I'm going to go like in his mind.
0: (laughs) And then without without thinking about it, he was like, Oh, this, this professional team wants me. I don't care where in the world it is. Let's go to. And then his parents were like, Hey, wait a minute, maybe, maybe you should actually think before you make this life changing decision.
1: Well, exactly. And like, I think that speaks so much to his competitiveness and, you know, how much he had like really fallen in love with basketball because to him, he was like no brainer. Duh, I want to go play basketball at the highest level. This is way you know higher level than you know any of my peers right here in my class, um, in my neighborhood, in my school, in my state. Um, and his parents were like, "You're really young. You know, you have to like actually live there. You won't be able to see us, your friends, all these things." So to me, I just think it just shows like he's just, his mindset was so much farther than other people. Like, if you told me at 15, there would be a writer's residency somewhere. Um, I would, I my first reaction would not be like, great, let me go pack up my life in whatever country. and But I just think that his willingness to do that, it just, it shows the confidence, it shows the ambition, the drive. Um, and he just, he just naturally had that.
0: Well, but at the same time, you can probably relate to, you know, whether it's, you know, something related to like what you want to do for your career or just some idea that, a friend of yours has like, hey, let's go do this. And then you take it to your parents. and You're like, hey, my friend suggested we do this. Let's go do like the, I think this is what we're gonna do. And your parents have to just be like, whoa, okay, sit like, down. Do do? Think about yeah. this for a second. <laughs> there's this great line that there's this great quote that you have in the story from Jason Hart, who is his coach at the G League Ignite, where he says, he has a phobia about his game, meaning he's in constant fear that he won't live up to his own expectations. He acts as though he's not going to make JV and not like a young star who just signed a multi-year deal with Puma. That's such a good, that, that, that phobia line, that's such a good way of putting it that I've never really heard before.
1: Yeah, I, I really, I'm glad you pointed that out because I really love that quote. And that's why when everyone's talking about, you know, Scoot and his physicality, like what part of his game that they like. To me, the thing that stands out to him is the mental side of things. Uh And I think that people always think that people are driven to win or they're driven to be the best and be great and all these things, which is true for him, too. But I think there's a part of him that's driven by like fear of failure. And a lot of people that are really, really, really great at what they do use fear as a motivator. Um, And it's not to say you're not confident. It's not that at all. It's it's just that you're so raw and real with yourself. You want it so badly. You're so afraid of not being the player that you think you are in your head. And that's why I just think he's going to be so good because when you have that mentality, you're not fully yourself. You're not drinking your own Kool-Aid. Right and um it's just a it's just a very mature mindset and it's it's real like he said to me he's like i love watching myself mess up mm-hmm. like that's a re- like that's not just saying that he's like no I, I i search for those clips i watch it i study it i you know he's he's just constantly watching himself not perform to what he thinks he can be and i think that that's really what makes him so special
0: have you uh, have you seen the mike schmitz uh, film session
1: I did not watch that.
0: So Mike Schmitz, who now is in the Blazers front office, but was the uh, like ESPN draft analyst for a long time, uh, yeah. he used to back when he was still on ESPN. He used to do these things where he would sit down with a prospect and watch clips of them, and they would talk through his you know their film sessions. He did one with the twins, also, who you, who you yeah, no, I've about.
1: seen it. And I sat next to Mike in Lithuania, which is yeah. the most hilarious thing. He was Yeah, Mike's the- awesome.
0: Mike's great. Yeah, but like
1: really
0: cool. But yeah. but <laughs> uh he like the, I watched like after they drafted Scoot, I went and watched the one that he did with Scoot. It's literally like 20 minutes of them going over his clips. And he showed one of like scoot blowing a defensive rotation or something. And scoot immediately was able to be like, yes, I should have been here. I messed this up. This is exactly like the stuff that my coach has been having me work on to get better at this specific thing that you showed me messing. Like, it seems like, you know, for a 19 year old, like I'm always blown away by like, you know, the the longer I do this and the older that I get, cause like I get older, these kids coming into the league stay the same age. And yeah. so you kind of can, and you can kind of, uh, you know gauge like okay this kid is like really self-aware this guy you know knows what he has to do to be great with Scoot I'm just I haven't even really started getting to know him on a personal level yet but you're already just blown away by the amount of self-awareness that he has and the amount of like no knowledge of like how much work it's going to take for him to get you know be as great as he wants to be
1: well and not just those qualities but about defense there's Uh so many people his age that don't even think about defense like it's just it's not you know it's the age old day oh he'll figure it out like he'll learn but Uh scoots already thinking about defense i mean i was there for like the film session with the team where coach hart was like basically saying like you should have been there and so you know scoot For whatever people want to say about the G League, whether they think it's a good path or not, like Scoot was very complimentary of how he learned a lot while being there. And I think particular attention was paid to his defense. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's not just that he's, you know, picking apart his weaknesses. I think it's that he's studying both ends of the floor, which also like really separates young people.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's talked before in some other interview. Of, it wasn't in yours, but it was some other interview of his that I read where he talked about, like, he's studying Drew Holiday f- for how to be a good defensive yeah. guard. It's like, okay, 19-year-old kid talking about studying Drew Holiday's defense. Like, that's right. that's a good sign that even even if he, you know, physically is never able to get you know that good at defense, the fact that he's that age and he's already talking about, like, this is what I want to study, this is what I want to focus on. Like, right. the mental right. stuff is such a big part.